as we look at uh, the final, oh, it's hard to put it that way, the final chapter of Jesus' ministry on earth with his disciples, we come to um, this short story uh, from Mark 15, 42 to 47. It is the burial of Jesus. Mark 15:42. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he heard, learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph brought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. It almost reads like an obituary. There's nothing really more final about someone's life than when you have to put them in the ground. We know that. We have all experienced that. Whether it's the death of a parent or a grandparent, of a parent or a child, a spouse or a sibling, a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, when you have to put somebody's body into the ground, it's final. There's something about that that brings everything else to a close. We know that. We've experienced that. Talking about it brings up the, the pain of having to do that. Talking about it brings up the expectation of having to do it again and recognizing how final that is. It would have been just as true for the followers of Jesus. And, and maybe for them there was a, a different level of sadness and disbelief. This was their Lord. He was going to be the king of the new kingdom and change the course of history. And he kept talking about it and he kept promising that. And on this day, they had to take his body from the cross and put it in the ground and bring an end to it all. This was the day that the, the Pharisees, 
and the religious leaders have been waiting for. Their goal from the very beginning when we encounter them in the Gospel of Mark or any of the other Gospels, their goal when it came to Jesus was to put Him to death and stop Him. It seems so backwards to be able to even think about celebrating the death of somebody. There had to have been at least a little bit of that that they were happy about. Finally, this troublemaker is dead. And they gave witness to that. This has been the plan of the the enemy of our souls from the dawn of time. To bring to an end the one that would still stand with us. And you wonder, even with the devil's knowledge, how much of this he just didn't celebrate. Jesus is finally dead. He's finally in the ground. It's over. There are some interesting things that are happening here. There's a few players in this story. It's a little short story. All of the Gospel accounts are only five or six verses when it comes to the burial of Jesus. As I said, it reads kind of like a short obituary. There's Joseph. He's one of the players here. And Joseph has been kind of this um, quiet Christian, if you will. But Joseph plays a, a role in this. He and Nicodemus, as it says in some of the other Gospel accounts, uh, wanted to make sure that the body of Jesus was properly cared for. Both Joseph and Nicodemus are on the high council, so this is a a new step for them where they would have been associated with those trying to put him to death. They now have moved in their love for him and become at least secret followers. That secret doesn't stay hidden any longer. In, in the times of uh, Jesus here when crucifixions were happening, what would normally take place on a normal day or a normal week is that when somebody was crucified, you would leave them there to die for as long as it would take and the longer the better. This is meant to be a painful, suffering kind of death and it would be a witness to people. Uh, they would serve as an example. Uh, different cultures around the world, even since then, have done that kind of thing where people would be hung and they would leave their bodies out. This was the same kind of thing that would take place. They would crucify somebody and let them die a long, slow, painful death, sometimes days. Sometimes they would even give them just a little bit of something to keep their body strong, to prolong the agony. And when they died, at times they would just allow the bodies to stay up there until they rotted. To again serve as a deterrent for those that would go against the leaders. That's what was maybe going to happen, except for this is a very different time here in Jerusalem where there's a special holiday. It's a religious holiday. It's 
the time of Passover. And so Joseph, along with Nicodemus, wanting to not have all of that go on, showing love for Jesus, wanted to take him down. Deuteronomy talks about how how that has always been the case. Deuteronomy 21, if a man had committed a crime punishable by death and he's put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day for a man hanged is cursed by God. And so here's Joseph um, fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy about not allowing somebody to hang on a tree for more than a day. And he fulfills that. It, it, it reminds us of what is said in Psalm 16. You will not abandon your, my soul to death. You will not let your Holy One see decay. And so Joseph has a part in fulfilling what the psalmist wrote. He also has a part in fulfilling what the prophet Isaiah said. Isaiah 53 says, And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Joseph, one of the characters here, gets to play the fulfilling role in different ways of, of this new rabbi of his. And fulfilling some of that story. Pilate is another one of the people, uh, characters in this story. As we're thinking about this as an obituary and, and verifying all that, as you would have the, the coroner today that would verify that somebody has truly passed away. When Joseph comes to Pilate, he says, I want the body. And Pilate says, well, is he really dead? Uh, I'm not going to give you the body of somebody unless I know he's dead because we, we crucified him so that he would die. You can't have him until I know that he's dead. So he sends a centurion who would also play a part in this to go and verify this. And we know this from other accounts that when he went there, he saw that Jesus was already dead. Sometimes because it was the, the holy... Um, uh, Passover, Sabbath week and everything, they didn't want the bodies up there so they would break the legs of the other two so they didn't have the strength to continue to grasp for air. When they got to Jesus, they found that he was dead. Maybe maybe that was something that had to happen as well where none of his bones were broken, as Scripture would say, and they pierced the one whom they looked on. And so the centurion goes there and he verifies that, yes, Jesus is already dead. Maybe, maybe this was the centurion that was watching him die. Maybe. Maybe he's the same one. Maybe he was the one that would preside over the deaths of those at the cross on that weekend and he is now told to go verify. Maybe the one that said... Surely this man was the Son of God and now he bears witness to the death of Jesus. And the, the Marys also are there. They have a part in the story. Uh, they are there. They're going to um, 
Eventually, they want to uh, wrap him and put spices and, and treat the body with care and respect. So they're there and they see what's going on. They see exactly where he's laid. And so when you think about the, the finality of Jesus' life and the, the, the certainty of his death, Pilate can verify that. The centurion gave evidence to that. Joseph would take his lifeless body and the two Marys and Salome, she was there as well. All of these people could verify without a doubt that in fact Jesus was dead. The Pharisees wanted to make sure that he was dead. So even even the rest of the Pharisees, not not Joseph now, not Nicodemus, not not them that have uh, softened their hearts and turned towards their Lord, um, they have a different idea about what might happen. In Matthew's account of the this same time frame. When they come to Pilate, the Pharisees say, Sir, we, re- we remember how the imposter said, While he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell people that he's risen from the dead. And the last fraud would be worse than the first. And Pilate said, You've got a squad of soldiers. You go take them and you make it as secure as you can just to make sure that nobody does what they suspect could happen and that they would take the body away, you make sure, you take the guards, you take the soldiers, and you make sure that he stays in that tomb in this three-day period that you're talking about. Here you have this, this, this little story, uh, kind of a, a matter-of-fact account of the burial of Jesus. Joseph wants the body. Pilate verifies it. The body's given. Jesus is buried, put in the ground. And at least two ladies or three were witness to where they laid him and watched the stone be rolled in front of it. That's the account. And yet there's More going on here. For those that are looking at this, seeing what's taking place, this is the end. And that is necessary for all of them to see. This was the end. He is dead. But in the grand scheme of God, as being carried out by the Holy Spirit, This is where the rest of the story is about to begin. There's there's a change happening here. And while all these facts about the, the burial of Jesus are absolutely true, something else is changing here. There's a story that's unfolding. Joseph, part of the religious high council, one of those that was along with the whole plan to undo Jesus and to put Him to death, Joseph has had 
a change of heart. New life is beginning to come to Joseph. Joseph did that because he was looking for... What did it say? Joseph was looking for the kingdom of God. It's just a line in there. But this burial account brings up one of the main overarching themes of Scripture. Joseph wants to see the kingdom of God. And he's about to. And we're drawn back into this grand narrative of the kingdom of God story. And it truly has its uh, bookends on either end of Scripture. Remember when we went through the, the opening account of creation and we, we dug into that and we saw how uh, every other culture of the days of the people of Israel when this was being written would have understood that this was the account of their God, the, the Israelites' God. This was His kingdom story. Because they all had one. They all had a God that they worshipped and, and this is how He created or what He's in charge of, who, what He's sovereign over. He's the king over these things. His realm is this realm and God comes with a creation story that says all of it is mine. Heaven and earth. And you hear that coming up throughout Scripture. He is the maker of heaven and earth. Everything. So His kingdom is spread out over everything that exists. And Joseph wants to see the kingdom. So we're drawn back into that story. And we remember its origins. And we're looking forward to the fulfillment of that in the, the final stage of the kingdom. And we're, we're left in this place of limbo along with Joseph in many ways where we're looking to see the kingdom as well. When Jesus came to earth, He brought a, a new level of kingdom idea. He, he ushered in a new era of the kingdom of God. He would say it in as much. You're not far from the kingdom now. The kingdom of God is at hand. He came into the world to show that the kingdom is here among you now and it's going to transform the way you see the world and what you expect from the world. He gives new understanding to the kingdom. He's, he's carrying on in the one hand, the work of His Father. He would say that in John's Gospel account. My Father is working and I'm working. My Father's been working all along and I am working with Him now too. There is this sense where there's work that needs to happen. That should also bring us back to the beginning of the kingdom story where the Father is working. And Jesus now is carrying on that because he's, He is the exact representation of God in the flesh. Fully God 
and fully man. Two people in their wholeness and yet one. And so here you have um, Jesus coming as the Father and He comes and He comes as mankind. He comes to represent us. He's, he's two representatives at the same time. And so the kingdom work is being carried out by the Father and now there's a new level of understanding about kingdom work in the man, Jesus Christ. And Jesus was given a task to do in His humanity by the Father to live the way we were supposed to. To be man the way man was always supposed to be. Mankind was supposed to live like Jesus lived His life. And the only way to be made right with the Father again is to trust in what Jesus did. And so He would complete for us what we needed to do. He was mankind's representative as well. And so when Jesus was crucified on the cross, He finished everything the Father had given Him to do. His work was done. Praise God. He finished the work. And while that testimony that Jesus gave at the very last, when He breathed His last and He said, it's finished! It is a transactional Statement that he made. I've paid for everything. All the work you've given me to do to pay for the lives, the sins of all people that would come to me, I've completed that. It's finished. My work is done. That creation story should still be ringing in your ears. He came to do all that He needed to do. And when He had finished it, what did He do? He rested. Jesus spent one full day in the ground, in the earth. By the way, Jews count their days. They are, if it's any part of a day, they count it a day. We've learned that in other cultures. Um, it's Monday until it's Tuesday. It's 11 o'clock until it's 12. So even though he didn't spend all of one day in the ground, because he was in the ground for part of that day, he was in the ground that day. And even though on the third day he was only in the ground for a little while, it was three days. But there was one full day that Jesus spent in the earth. Which day was that? Seventh day, he rested. Six days, that idea of mankind. The seventh day is a Sabbath day, it's a day of rest. And Jesus would put in his body uh, this connection back to man who comes from the earth. There is this 
underlying story about the kingdom that's about to take place here where Jesus connected with mankind on the sixth day he dies, on the seventh day he rests. And what's about to happen next? There is something yet to happen. And we know that. We, we grew up, a lot, many of us, um, Friday's here, but Sunday's coming, right? Uh, we have our, our eyes already fixed on the Sunday when, when He comes up out of the ground. And sometimes we, we overlook this idea of Jesus being buried. It's, it's His identifying with us. Jesus, the man, back in the earth, back in the ground again. And He's going to come up out of the ground. A new creation. The groundwork, if you will, for the kingdom now has been laid once again. All the work that needed to be done is done. And Jesus rests. Groundwork's been laid. It's in a new way. It's, it's with renewed promises. A new expectation of what uh, life in God's kingdom will be. And if this doesn't happen, if the burial didn't happen, we have a problem. What if it didn't take place? What if He didn't truly die? What if he didn't go back into the ground again? What if he wasn't buried? What if, as they were thinking, that somebody might come and steal him away, and when that happened, they began to spread the rumors that the disciples stole him away and ruined the validity of what Jesus was going to do? But brothers and sisters, the burial is an important part of the story because you and I identify with him not only in his death but being buried with him as well. So the story continues to grow. New meaning is coming out of this experience here. And again, a new expectation of what life will be like now in God's kingdom. This Brothers and sisters, is where the rest of the story will begin. Would you pray with me? Father, as we read this story, we heard of all the pain and sadness that we know ourselves. How final. It is when someone's life ends and they go into the ground. We remember that with sorrow and pain, with loss. It's all too real. And every one of us here has someone that they can point to, recall in their minds and remember that they had life before. And now, their body is in the ground. 
And yet all of those things were necessary for Jesus as well. And so we, we identify with him now. Our, our identity is in the one who gave his life for our sins and went into the ground, back into the earth again. And there would be that period of rest. We know, we know the rest of the story. We're longing to hear again afresh and to renew our minds with what will happen in our own lives once we see what happens with Jesus' life. So give us greater strength. Make us more bold. If if Joseph could find boldness in the death of his Savior, help us to find boldness because we know our Savior lives. So thank you for this. Continue to keep our eyes open as this story begins to have new significance and new meaning, even for us today. What will we do with what we have learned? We pray that it is for the honor and glory of You, our God and Father, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who gave Himself for us and the Spirit who resides in us now. Make us, Father, come alive as well. In Jesus' name, amen.